There are many ways people listen to vision, including through a PC at work. When you fire up your computer at work, go to vision.org.au slash listen and click the Vision or V180 Listen Live buttons. You can also catch the latest Vision National News Bulletin and enjoy a growing range of on-demand podcasts from the same page all while you work. However, and wherever you listen to Vision, you can be sure that the announcers, programs and music will help you look to God daily. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, as we do on a Monday, we like to catch up with the Australian Christian Lobby, check in on what's happening with the week's political agenda. Martin Isles, back with us. Hi, Martin. Welcome back. Neil, good to be back again. Hey, I think you've got a public holiday down your way in Canberra today. Not all the rest of us are enjoying that. Uh, You got anything special planned? (laughs) No, well, actually, a public holiday is a rare opportunity for me to get some rest, Neil. I might uh, go for a long walk and think about some of the things I've been wanting to think about for a little while now. But uh, the great public service state uh, or territory, we have more public holidays than anybody else, it turns out. <laughs> well, you make sure you enjoy it after you get off the phone from me. Hey, Martin, let's just start with something that's happening overseas, of course, rioting across the United States over the death last week of the unarmed black man, George Floyd. He was in police custody. That image of that police officer with his knee on George Floyd's neck in Minneapolis, uh, as I understand it, sent it something like 30 cities across the US uh, rioting. I wonder whether you've got any reflection on that from an Australian position. Yeah, look, it's sad, isn't it? I mean, um, the footage that I think many people will have seen uh, was just awful. And uh, I, I've seen a lot of, I mean, I went through a phase, as most young guys do with, uh, when they're going through the YouTube phase and watching a whole lot of useless things on YouTube like fail videos and all the rest of it One of the and, and car crash compilations and stuff like that. It's a bit of a thing now uh, with uh, particularly younger guys. But one of the things that's available on YouTube quite widely is police body cam videos. And, you know, uh, it's amazing to see actually how good the police are at their work in America on the whole. And so to see something like this, which is definitely an outlier, where there's been an abuse of power, where the wrong thing's been done, uh, you know, and to see how that that has now become a narrative whereby people say this is what the police do is really sad because I don't think that that's true. I mean, certainly it's it's not a basis to start six days of race riots. I think the National Guard is deployed in 11 cities, uh, 11 states. You said, Neil, that there's dozens of cities um, that have riots and, and all the rest of it. And it's such a shame to see uh, based on that incident because that incident was wrong and it should be punished and it has been punished uh, and the, the police officer's been fired, he's facing charges and all sorts of things. That's the right thing to happen. But to make the US into this tinderbox of conflict and violence, it just shows how much on edge the country is. And I think that's great cause for concern because you only need a few business owners to start defending their businesses with, with the, the guns that they have. Uh, or you only need somebody to show up at a riot who really has nasty intent. And and it's a tinderbox. Anything could happen. Uh, It's very worrying. But I want to just make a couple of points about this without for a second taking away from the tragedy of what happened and the tragedy of what happened to George Floyd, uh, who it turns out, by the way, was a wonderful Christian man. 
there's a brilliant tribute article written to him on uh, Christianity Today, which describes his Christian ministry and all the amazing things he did in his neighbourhood. And I'd encourage people to look that up. So, you know, see the, the, the legacy that he had uh, and to be encouraged by that. Um, but one of the things that's going around in almost an unquestioned way is the notion that this is a reflection of an, an endemic problem where the police are continually violent towards uh, black Americans in particular. Um, and a lot of Australians have just swallowed that. But you'll notice that there's really no statistics going around to back that up. And it's because there are no statistics to back that up. And I want to challenge it as much as it's embedded into our psyche, because it's not correct. Um, for example, of all homicide victims in the United States uh, last year, uh, and this is a typical breakdown, 12% of those homicide victims uh, who were white were killed by police, 12% of Hispanics were killed by police, only 4% of blacks were killed by police. Uh, a police officer is 18 and a half times more likely to be shot by a black man than a black man used to be shot by a police officer. Uh, and I could go through statistic after statistic. They've actually done quite a lot of studies on this. Uh, and it shows that if the police were to lay down their weapons tomorrow, if they were to stop enforcing the law entirely, the impact on black homicide rates would be to would be negligible. I mean, it's never it's never irrelevant because you know the life you got some lives involved, but it's very 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 tiny. And the statistics which have been done time and again simply don't support the narrative. But what has happened is that a particular political narrative has taken over, not a truth narrative, but a political narrative, because there are forces, particularly from the far left that rely on division in society to get their point across. They rely on the narrative that whites are, 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 are victimising blacks, that men are victimising women, that Christians are victimising gays. They rely on that narrative because they are trying to stoke unrest and they're trying to change society. And you see that now with radical groups deliberately organising these protests. They've actually been waiting for a crisis like this to organise these protests and to push that very narrative. And I see so many people on social media unquestioningly sharing this narrative. And I think, my goodness, it's working, you know. <laughs> we have to be very careful about that. Wow. You know, uh, a lot of people, it will be news to them because we're not seeing that in the mainstream media, that George Floyd, uh, a wonderful Christian man, and uh, as you say, you can see him in his ministry role on YouTube. It does actually bring a big dimension, no doubt, for a lot of listeners to our conversation today. Uh, but as you say, this idea of identity politics, there are people waiting in the wings to exploit an opportunity uh, to be able to push their agenda. And it uh, brings into, uh, into focus here, Martin, I'll get your thoughts here, because the very first commandment, uh, that God gave to the children of Israel uh, was, uh, you know, you shall have no other gods before me. Uh, you know, this is, uh, you know, the Lord your God is above all. And there is a certain sense here in which that was a unifying factor. And if we were to translate that sort of understanding into our Western culture today, uh, we're moving away from God and the unifying factor disappears. So if the unifying factor disappears, all you have is, as you call it, a tinderbox waiting to explode because people, various identities against one another, are waiting for an opportunity to have some level of tension. Uh, there is something special here. I'm, I'm just reflecting a little bit, thinking aloud. 
But the uh, the idea of having God in the center of your nation, not just your own personal life, in the center of your nation actually has tremendous benefits. And we're seeing that disintegrate in so many places around the world. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think that that's right, Neil. I think that one of the problems we have in the West is that there's the complete loss of unifying narrative. Um, in the past, you know, everybody knew, or at least the vast majority of society knew that they were a part of something good part of something worth defending uh, and they were all in this together and you look back at particularly the wartime era and things like that and it was just as well they felt that way because uh, otherwise they wouldn't have made it through those dark times Um, these days one of the biggest changes in the west has been the fragmentation of people into what i call tribal groups and i think that listeners will just instinctively know that this is what's been happening and the and the and the groups that have been defined and they've mostly been defined through the types of folks that create uh, anti-discrimination laws. They've been defined along the, the, the bases of race, of gender, uh, of you know, male, female, etc., sexuality, uh, uh, and things like that. And uh, it's created this great narrative that uh, everybody's at war with each other and uh, that there's really no way to overcome that except to uh, you know, change the world politically by uh, by making radical, mostly left-wing changes in the law. Uh, and the problem is that before we started to think in these categories, well, I think that by thinking in these categories, it makes it even worse. By making the tragic death of George Floyd, which was an abuse of power, a crime committed by a police officer, uh, and the tragic death of an innocent man uh, who had a wonderful Christian testimony, to take that Uh, the the fact scenario I described and suddenly say this is all about race. That's a political agenda. That's uh, that's not a truth agenda. It doesn't bear up to the facts. And it may well be, actually. I mean, it's always possible that there's one racist, you know, in the the mix. And he goes out there and does this racially motivated reason. But that racist gets punished. And it doesn't justify this nationwide chaos and rioting and destruction, which is born out of a political narrative, which is the tribalization of society. Uh, And that's the problem we're facing everywhere at the moment. And it's really, really ugly, particularly in a world that doesn't believe in truth. So we can't dialogue about these things. We can't talk about these things because there's no shared truth. We can't talk about anything in common. All we can do is fight. All we can do is protest. All we can do is see violence. But that, of course, is what the radical left want. Yes, and just to reinforce what you're saying about the need for a unifying narrative, and I know that the ACL, the Australian Christian Lobby, the organisation you lead, uh, is looking to bring that unifying narrative, as is Vision Christian Radio, and uh, where you've got Christian ministries who are interested in that. And uh, I know that listeners will recognise the valuable perspectives that you're bringing here, Martin. Hey, there's plenty of things to talk about. Let me just come to uh, one of the issues you're dealing with right now in uh, a WA abortion clinic, and you've just released a media release about the idea of fake news in over over praying abortion clinic protesters. What's the situation in WA? Oh, this is situation normal, Neil. <laughs> uh, this is what the clinics do. So there's a Murray Stokes clinic in Midland uh, in the outer suburbs of Perth, for those who know it. And um, uh, what they've said effectively is that these abortion protesters uh, are creating a picket line and they're preventing people from entering the clinic and, uh, and they're accusing them of a range of activities which uh, 
the only simple answer to what they're claiming is that they're not telling the truth. Um, there is no such thing happening. Uh, and this is normal. We saw this in Victoria before the exclusion zones legislation came in to, to kick those protesters right out of there. Uh, we've seen the same narrative in New South Wales when they were adopting laws like this. Uh, the clinics and, and pro-abortion types come out and, and accuse these, uh, these uh, sidewalk prayers uh, of all sorts of nefarious things. And uh, we know that that's not true. These are peaceful people. Uh, these are people who are very, very concerned about uh, the women uh, and their state of health uh, and their future who are going towards those clinics and the children that, 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 they're, that they're carrying into those clinics to be aborted. And what these people do is that they, they stand some distance from the clinic and they pray together uh, and they tend to have T-shirts or a sign that says, you know, we can help you, we're praying for you and your baby or something like that. And one of the amazing things that happens is that every so often a woman will go and talk to them. Uh, and those conversations very often bear fruit. And uh, one of the tragedies is that new laws that came in in Victoria not so long ago saw the ministry of a group called the Helpers complete, almost completely prevented. Uh, and we ran the case of Kathy Club a little while ago. Kathy was one of these sidewalk counsellors. And we found that just by being on the sidewalk and doing that sort of peaceful um, presence, uh, Kathy and her friends were able to save the lives of more than 300 babies over a course of several years absolutely astounding stuff and to see the letters from their mothers of thanks and to see how Kathy had gone and you know given them in-home domestic help and been their friend and all sorts of amazing things and so these people are doing tremendous work they're peaceful people they're wonderful Christian people and what's being said about them is simply not true it's part of a political agenda and I think it's important that we know that because I think we're too sometimes we can hear what the media say and we can say oh yeah I guess they're unhelpful. You know, we'd rather they weren't there. So I want to make it clear to everybody that what's being said about them isn't true and what they are doing is helpful. A question there, isn't it? Who is being believed? And as you say, mainstream media and perhaps the mainstream populace across Australia more likely to believe the people in the abortion clinic than they are to believe those who are peacefully, uh, prayerfully, uh, there to actually make a statement, but also be on hand to potentially save the life of a baby. So, uh, uh, really, really tough one. Hey, Martin, uh, there's uh, there's a few different things we could talk about here, but let's uh, let's just prioritise uh, these church restrictions that we've been talking about over the past weeks, because you know churches do seem not to be uh, considered to be as important when it comes to relaxing. Uh, restrictions here, New South Wales easing church restrictions, and but that's not happening in every state. No, it's not happening in every state, Neil. I think Western Australia is doing pretty well as as well in terms of having uh, churches allowed to have gatherings of certain sizes. I've forgotten the number, but it's at least the size of New South Wales, which is uh, which is fifty, um, and that's that's nice. Uh, other areas uh, not moving so quickly and not seeing as much. Uh, energy put into the reopening um, narrative or, or, or efforts. And uh, I, I think what ACL was calling for in relation to the New South Wales churches, or what we're definitely calling for, was just for e equality of treatment, just to say, we don't want special treatment. We don't want you to go and say, all right, churches can open, but nobody else can. What we want is if you're saying to pubs and clubs and restaurants, 
you can have 50 diners in place and you can have used cutlery getting around and waiters going from table to table and an animated conversation going and alcohol flowing. If that's allowed, then surely, you know, if you're allowed to have 50 people in a church building. And so we were arguing for equality of treatment. And that was amazing to see that that was effective. And through the advocacy of ACL and others, church leaders in particular, uh, we saw the, the Premier there change the rules and say, OK, churches can have 50 as well. And so there's an equality of treatment. However, I am getting to the point now where I'm saying, well, it's not just equality of treatment. Part of me wants to say, get a move on. Because, you know, over the last month of May, South Australia has only had two cases of coronavirus. Uh, Queensland's had 22, but they were all near the start of the month. There's only been three to four in the last couple of weeks. Tasmania had four also at the start of the month. You know, it's been weeks since they had one. Here in the ACT, it's been who knows how long since we had an active case, something like five weeks. Uh, and we're left sitting here going, well, what are you waiting for? Like, what are you waiting for? And I'm concerned that the premiers around the country are rather enjoying the crisis because it's been an unbelievable boost to their poll numbers. It's been unbelievably good for their standing as leaders. It doesn't matter what party they're from, liberal, Labor, every leader in the country has enjoyed a massive, massive, massive surge in their approval ratings over the so-called handling of the coronavirus crisis. And so I think we need to put a little bit of pressure on and say, come on, hurry up, because, you know, that's just the art of politics. You don't waste a good crisis. Uh, and I'm not saying they're going to drag it out ridiculously long, but they're not going to be as hurried as hurried to solve it as they could have been because it's politically advantageous. I think we should put a bit of pressure on in all states to say, come on, hurry up, we're ready to get back. We're ready to keep moving. And uh, I think Anastasia Palaget has felt that in Queensland a little and uh, hopefully we can do the same in other places. Well, Martin, no doubt listeners will take on board some of those thoughts and uh, there might be a local MP uh, that they could be in contact with, your local MP, uh, to just put that little bit of pressure on uh, to get churches back and functioning all over Australia. Uh, let me point people to the Australian Christian Lobby uh, website acl.org.au there'll be some resources uh, releases all sorts of good things to keep up to date with a Christian perspective on what's going on in Australia Martin Isles is the managing director of the Australian Christian Lobby Martin thanks so much for your update once again today on 2020 thank you Neil always a pleasure thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media to find out more about us Go to vision.org.au